uh, this week we're going we're gonna to look through and, and find out what happened after he first got saved. And he just, just became a new baby Christian. And uh, what exactly happened there? What can we learn from Saul? Um, and I think you'll find it very encouraging this morning, um, especially considering the, the curveballs that um, the devil can throw at us sometimes. So um, I'll just read a section here. Um, I'll pray again, and then um, we'll get into it. So I'm in Acts chapter 9, and I'll read, um, I'll read from verse 17. So the Lord just after telling Ananias to go to Saul. So Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you just open up our eyes and areas, Lord, to just understand. I pray that you'd be able to help us, Lord, to bring out just a few truths from, from your word. And that we might um, just be encouraged, Father, and challenged too. And uh, as always, Lord, that you just might make us more like your son, Jesus, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as I said already from the beginning of the chapter, Saul just met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And he was actually going to, um, we just read there, to go and to bring Christians bound back to Jerusalem and to imprison them. Um, you know, we read another portion of scripture there, how he would compel them to blaspheme and how um, some of them were put to death. But after he met the Lord face to face, he's now serving a new master. So he had authority to go and do these things from the chief priests. And now he's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a new believer, Jesus gives him his new, his new instructions or his first instructions as a Christian he says in verse six, arise and go into the city and it should be told thee what thou must do. And that sounds simple enough, arise, go into the city. But um, when Saul gets up, he can't see a thing. He's blinded and he needs to be led by the hand into Damascus. And um, pastor went through this last week. Um, he ends up staying at the house of a man named Judas on the street that's called Straight. And he's just waiting for the Lord. He's fasting and praying and waiting for the Lord to tell him what to do next. And then again, as we read here, Ananias, uh, a well-known Christian, but he's also um, a, a convert from, from Judaism. So he's well-known and respected of the Jews. He hears from the Lord in a vision. And the Lord tells him in this vision a few things. He says, as I said, arise and go to the straight street. He says, there you'll find Judas's house. And go in and ask to see a man named Saul from Tarsus. And he puts in a very interesting um, there in verse, uh, the end of verse 11. It says, for behold, he prayeth. And I just thought that was a very... Um, very interesting uh, statement to put in there in the middle. Um, so just, you know, the difference or the change that's already taken place in Saul's heart. It's pretty miraculous um, testimony salvation there. You know, um, the Bible says uh, in Luke 15, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. And, um, you know, uh, um, 
I've read a couple of commentaries of things. And one guy said, you know, it's interesting, Saul, before he would have said his prayers, but now he's praying them. So he's actually truly praying from the heart unto the Lord. And I just thought that was very interesting. So um, uh, he, this is the vision that Ananias heard from the Lord. And he tells him that he's already told Saul personally in, 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 um, that uh, he would send Ananias and that he would receive his sight. Um, and then Ananias, he's not delighted about hearing that. So um, he's the first to protest against Saul's conversion. Um, and he's a Christian and all. <laughs> and he's the first to protest about Saul. And he says, you know, um, I know, again, this is just a review. Pastor went over this last week. But um, he says in verse 13, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he had authority from the chief priest to bind all the call on thy name. So he's protesting against it. And he thinks, you know, I guess you get the sense that he's worried. He doesn't believe Saul is really saved, perhaps. Or um, he believes Saul is dangerous. And uh, he's worried, um, maybe not just for Christians, but also especially for himself, <laughs> that he is to go and see this guy um, and all the things that he's done to Christians. But God pretty much just says, go. And uh, he says, it might not be what you would have chosen, but he says, I have chosen him. So he says in verse 15, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel, chosen vessel unto me. So, you know, if God chooses, then well, what can you do? You know, <laughs> if God before us, who can be against us? So, um, and a lot, of, a lot of the times, you know, the Lord will choose something that we probably wouldn't have chosen for ourselves. And, uh, you know, that's why the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. And um, God kind of reassures Ananias in a sense because he continues and he says, he's chosen vessel unto me, but he says to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I, I will show him, verse 16, how great things he must suffer for my namesake. So he's saying, reassuring to maybe to Ananias, you know, yes, he will suffer. Not, you won't suffer, but he will for sure suffer. Like you're worried about suffering. Um, Paul will, but or Saul. But um, according to my will and because of what I've chosen for him, you know, and um, I think it's interesting. We don't tend to like that whole idea of suffering, but like you, you might have heard a lot of the verses that people bring up when we talk about persecution and things for all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I'll just go to first Peter four as well here. Um, you know, Peter talks about us going through hard times and things of like that and um I think the, the main idea here for, for the message is that when Saul begins his walk, it's not all plain sailing, okay? Um, and we're going to find that out pretty soon here. But I just want to read you two verses in First Peter. Um, hold your place in Acts 9. I guess we'll be there for most of it. But First Peter 4 and verse 12 says here, this is Peter speaking, and he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye re be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of, of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Okay, so um, in order to do God's will, sometimes it's not, um, not a very rosy path. <laughs> and uh, we're just gonna, we're going to find out in a minute. Um, here as well. So just to continue here, um, basically Ananias, he obeys and goes because the Lord told him, even though he doesn't want to, that's what obeying is, you know, <laughs> whether we tell our kids to do things or whatever, you know, do sweep up after, you know, 
we have our dinner, sweep up under the table and things. I don't want to. And I was like, well, you do have to. Yeah. <laughs> so they do what they're told. And in the same way, we're children of God. And we need to do what the Lord says, um, despite uh, what we think about it. So he goes in and um, it's pretty cool here. Um, in verse 17, Ananias went his way, entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, brother Saul. So he's acknowledging he's, he's accepted what the Lord told him and he's calling him a brother in Christ already. So um, he, he's acknowledging that Saul has gotten saved. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And as we read there, immediately um, he could see. Okay, so um, I'll just take a verse here from um, Zechariah. You don't have to go there, but um, there's just a lovely phrase in there that kind of um, speaks of, you know, um, when, we, when we become Christian, I guess, um, and what the, how we could consider that. Um, Zechariah 4.10 says, sorry here, it says here, for who hath despised the day of small things? Okay, so let me get on here. I'm not as savvy with the PowerPoint as pastors here. <laughs> so i to get to go through here. And then I obeys. Ah, there you go. So, you know, they, you've heard the, you know, these, uh, these statements, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. You know, it's like Mr. Miyagi kind of stuff. All right. <laughs> but it, when you get saved, you're a baby Christian and you're a newborn baby, the, the Bible says, and desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And Saul is just a new baby Christian and you know that's why the Bible says we have to become as a little child if we're to get saved and be converted because we just have to take everything as it is of all the people that would have to have hum humbled themselves Saul would have been one of them the more humble if you, if you want to put it that way it's humbling for everybody I know but um he he goes on to describe in um I don't know is it Galatians where he says I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees I was of the you know I was a purebred Benjamite Jew I studied under the best teachers, you know, I was going to be the next big wig of the big wigs, you know, and to come to a place there where now he's got to admit that he knows nothing and he's got to start from scratch. Um, it was, is a, a hard thing, a humbling thing. And he put some, some stuff into place or as a Christian, you should put some of these things into place as you start to grow and you should keep these things in place as you are Christian as well, um, just to keep yourself taking those small steps in the right direction. So the first thing is, as you can read here as well, is Saul starts to go to church. So I'm here in verse 19. It says, when he had received meat, because he was fasting, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. So as I said already, you know, what a great change that's been in his life. First, you know, he used to go to church to uh, harass and injure Christians. <laughs> and, and now he just wants the fellowship. Now he just wants to be with them, pray with them sit with them as they're listening to God's word you know um, it's just an amazing change and we used to sing that song with the teens and the kids you know there's been a great great change change since I've been born there's been a great change since I've been born again and all the verses are the things I used to do I don't do them anymore Not like, but that's that's just a wonderful little simple song of the things that happen after you get saved and how how everything is just different um uh you know, like before I, I got saved, um, dad was the first to get saved in the house. So I always keep mentioning him because this is my first kind of experience of the gospel coming into the house. But I remember like I, I was studied in college. I was doing music and things like that. And I would come home and then dad would be playing all these Christian hymns and stuff. And I used to be giving out about the God awful music. This thing. 
oh, you know, that when I came into the house, it was just horrible. It was like, you know, someone scratching on a blackboard for me and uh, I really didn't like it. Um, I used to give out about that. But, you know, after I got saved, I mean, I, I singing away with you guys now this morning and stuff. And it's just it's, it's just amazing how um, how your heart can be changed from, you know, the Bible says from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto the power of God, you know. And, um, you know, the same way Saul's going to church, I'm, sur I'm sure he's one of the loudest singing voices when they're singing praises and hymns to God, which probably before would have really enraged him. <laughs> okay. Um, instead of praying a proud Pharisee's prayer, like we read in, um, where is that, in Luke, where, you know, the Pharisee's praying and he's saying, I thank God I'm not like this other person over here, you know, and I fast and I tithe and all that kind of stuff, you know. So this would have been probably the same type of prayer that Paul as a Pharisee was praying beforehand. But now, as I pointed out in the introduction, you know, he's probably praying from the heart now, real prayer, prayer that's going up before the throne of God, thanksgiving. And he's probably now, instead of um, wishing and wanting hurt for all the other, the, all the other Christians that he was trying to seek out and to, to, to harm, he, um, you know, we, there's a prayer here in Ephesians that he prays for um, other believers. He says here in Ephesians 3 that he would grant you, this is Paul praying, for Christians now, according to the riches of his glory, that Jesus would grant this person, right? Um, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty extreme uh, change from what Saul used to be doing before. Um, and then we read here um, in verse 20, straightway, he's preached, he preached Christ in the synagogue. So instead of speaking out against Christ um, and consenting to the death of Stephen, as we read from uh, Acts 7 and other Christians, now he's standing up and testifying publicly that Jesus is the son of God. You know, and we read that in Romans 10, where it says, for whosoever believe on him shall not be ashamed. So this is all just small little things about um, Saul um, going to church and um, and just the little the little things that he's putting in here. So I kind of titled that that those little changes are um, uh, it's called you know some people have a label for it in Bible speak or whatever called replacement theology. Okay, so you know a lot of times people try and change and uh, they try to stop doing something, stop smoking, stop giving up to people, <laughs> stop whatever it is that they're trying to do, and they focus on the stopping, stopping, stopping. But the Bible teaches. The, uh, the opposite that says to replace it with something else, okay? And um, that replacement is found in Ephesians 4. If you're wondering what to do about something, <laughs> the Bible here is teaching you. Here, I'm just catching up with to testify. Yeah, I was, I'm probably over there. Um, Ephesians 4 and um, verse 22. It says here, um, this is... Saul or Paul speaking, he's saying that she put off Ephesians 4.22 concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And how would you do that? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that she put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he goes on saying, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. So he's putting away lying by speaking truth. Be angry and sin not and etc. etc. He goes on. So. Saul is replacing all those old wicked things that he used to do. And now he's replacing them with, with better things, with more godly things, with more Bible things. Okay. So he's fellowshipping, he's singing, he's praying, he's testifying. He's being where other Christians are. 
and um, he's accountable in that sense. He's helped. Okay, so um, uh, that's basically that part. And then um, we'll go on another verse here. But all that heard him were amazed and said, "Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests?" So. All of that stuff that I mentioned there, um, it's all very good. And, um, you know, we're like, oh, yes, uh, we expect that of a Christian. Or all the Christians should do those sort of things and, and be in those places and, um, uh, and have that kind of heart. But despite all of this, the people didn't really receive him well. Okay, so they, they have this kind of, um, thought of the word is incredulous. I looked it up in the dictionary <laughs> and, and it says meaning unwilling or unable to believe something. <laughs> All right. So they just had uh, just a what in the world reaction, basically, to to Paul. They didn't believe that he was they thought he was, you know, they thought he was nuts, I suppose. But, you know, it's the same for Jesus. When um, if you go to Mark, just hold your place here. You know, does anyone know what age Jesus started his ministry at? It says in the Bible. 30. Excellent. OK, so for 29 years and 11 months and however many days, 30 days. He was just Jesus from Nazareth, just another guy, okay, a carpenter's son. And um, when he started his public ministry, his friends and his family were just, you know, when I, mean, I say friends, so mainly, um, were just surprised. Just, uh, I would guess the word again is incredulous. But I've got Mark um, 3 here. Mark 3. He's just after choosing all the disciples he's chosen, Simon and James and John and Andrew, etc. And um, they're after going into a house there. Um, and it says here in Mark 3.21, when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is beside himself. So he's, he's nuts. He's off his rocker. He's, what in the world happened? What is Jesus doing? Okay. And then if you fast forward, it doesn't really end because uh, Mark 6, uh, verse 3. So he, he's in Nazareth even, and he's in the synagogue, and he's ministering, and he's um, speaking. And it says, Mark 6, 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. So they were offended at Jesus, offended at what he started doing, and they just, they just couldn't, couldn't comprehend it. So we've got a similar re reaction here you know, for Saul when he's just, he was this top guy of, you know, Judaism, that these were the guys who took counsel and sought to slay Jesus. And now he's just another Christian and he's preaching the stuff that, he said he hated before and they just can't believe it okay so um um you know this is normal if you've ever experienced that if, <laughs> uh again i'll bring up my dad when when my dad got saved and stuff like that um and he came home and he said i'm gonna save you know i i was like you know well we'll see about that you know we'll see how long this salvation lasts you know because daddy come home and said other things you know and you're like yeah yeah you know this is just another thing but um i'm still waiting so <laughs> Yeah, so I just thought, I think it's amazing. That's just a normal reaction. So um, remember, we're thinking about um, the, there's a lot of pushback that Saul's going to start receiving here. But um, he's keeping these small things um, in check, and uh, he'll be fine. So, you know, 
what shall we say to all this stuff that, that Saul started to experience? It can be discouraging to be rejected as a Christian. You know, you kind of expect it off of unsaved people, especially when you're witnessing to them, that they'll, they'll push back and um, have something to say um, and that kind of thing. But then to have it from other believers is, can be quite hurtful, you know, when people, people are against you and you're supposed to both be brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, but, you know, we can reassure ourselves that if what we're saying and doing is good and right according to the Bible, we're okay. And we don't need to be worried or ashamed, you know. And we need to make sure that we're, you know, as you're growing, you do need to double check that the things that you're saying and doing are right according to the Bible. And that's why the Bible says to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, um, you know, we can find the strength to keep going, but it doesn't make the heart any less hurtful, okay, or the path any easier. So I just will acknowledge that. But all the same, if we just keep continuing here, all that heard him were amazed, okay, in verse 21, verse 22, but Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. So Saul just kept on keeping on, essentially, okay? Um, I love the, the description, you know, when um, God is calling Ezekiel to speak unto um, his fellow uh, Israelites, I suppose you want to call them, um, and to witness against them. Um, and he's, he's encouraging them, saying, you know, they're, they're rebellious and they're an adulterous nation and that kind of thing. But he says, fear them not, neither to be dismayed at their looks. <laughs> so he's like, don't mind them. They're, they'll probably look at you real upset and stuff while you're talking to them, telling them what I told you to say. And then he goes on and he says that I've given you a forehead as an adamant stone, you know, so he'll, he'll be able to butt back at the people or whatever and, and answer them back. Um, I just think that's a great description. Um, so anyway, Saul kept on keeping on. And, and of course, we need to do the same. We need to keep our focus heavenward and encourage ourselves in the Lord, you know, like David encouraged himself in the Lord there in First Samuel 30. And, uh, you know, as Eric always points out, he loves uh, Colossians 3, set our affections on things above, you know, where Christ is seated at the right hand. And uh, um, I love that other verse in Luke where it says, um, you know, when you see these things come to pass, I'm sure we're seeing a lot of things in society and in the government come to pass nowadays, you know, where the Bible says, look up for your redemption, draw it nigh, you know, when you see these things. So we can, we can keep looking up despite what we're, um, what's going on around us. And as long as we're doing what the Lord's commanded us to do, like he told Joshua here, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Okay? But the one thing we do need to do, we do need to make sure is so um, we do need to watch out to keep our hearts soft, okay? Because our hearts can get hard when you're experiencing all this pushback. You know, if you're, someone's arguing with you and things like that, it's easy to harden our heart or to um, fly off the handle or to do any of these sort of things, you know? But um, uh, I have a verse here in Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Um, Proverbs 28, 14. Oh, yes, yes. Proverbs 28, 14 says, Happy is the man that feareth always. Fears, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, right? But he that hardened his heart shall fall into mischief. Okay, so we need to watch out, you know, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Okay, so um, we don't want to harden our heart. And, Jesus had to rebuke the disciples um, more than once about um, why have they hardened their heart, 
right? Oh, ye of little faith, that kind of thing, okay? So small beginnings, don't despise them. <laughs> um, and keep those building blocks in place and you'll keep growing in the Lord and keep going from strength to strength despite um, any kind of pushback or resistance you might just find or whatever. Hopefully this is going to, yeah, yes. So the resistance, it doesn't get any better. It just, it just gets worse. I, I was, uh, my first men's camp was back in um, ages ago. We studied Jonah. We were at the, the same place we went to men's camp this year, the Venture Center. And there was this African guy, I don't know what particular country he was from, but I know that he had all these like tribal scars in him and he was some sort of prince. It's really cool. He had gotten saved. And um, his, his preaching was, um, he said, it's just a bend in the road. I just, I never forget it. I don't know why. Um, so, you know, he's saying that, you know, a lot of times we have expectations of Christianity. We have expectations about how we think things are supposed to go. If I've prayed, then this, if I'm reading my Bible, then this, you know, if I'm being nice to this person, it's not nice to me, then I should, this should be the result and things like that. But, you know, life doesn't always go according to our expectations. And uh, this, this guy was uh, given a kind of a popcorn preaching message. And he said, you know, there's a lot of things that are just a bend in the road, but you're still, you're still going to end up at the right destination. <laughs> so don't be, don't be alarmed, you know. So that's why I kind of read at the start, First Peter 4, that said, you know, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Don't be, don't be too worried, okay? So it sounds kind of like a happy ending here. Um, Saul spends the next three years faithfully serving at the church there in Damascus, and he's growing in the grace and the knowledge of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But eventually, from all this preaching that he's doing, the Jews get so annoyed that they, they decide they want him dead. They want, to, they want to kill him. They're very passionate about what they do, of course. So that's in... Um, uh, verse 23 there it says and after that many days were fulfilled the jews took counsel to kill him <laughs> all right i know it's not funny but hey um there those guys are um uh, they're just uh very um very direct in what they want to do and what they want to accomplish <laughs> so eventually jews get so annoyed they decide they want him dead um and this is the first of um, many bends in the road i guess that you could call it that that's all experiences okay but isn't i i think on the other side of that coin you know these guys are so anti-god they're so angry against god but isn't it amazing that god would send someone to preach and someone to give them the gospel god's you know god's not willing that any should perish and it doesn't matter whether we like them or not these these people um and what they're doing you know jonah had that same problem where he didn't want the ninevites to get saved he didn't like them he thought they were very um ruthless or whatever the word was and he he didn't want them to get saved and stuff like that but god doesn't have that kind of heart like we do okay um and he wants all people to be saved um so the jews want to kill um saul and, and now it's time for saul to experience the same kind of persecution that he was bringing on the church he was you know people were worried for their lives going to church that saul might break in and haul them off to prison or whatever okay but now saul is uh worried for his own life Okay, um, and uh, one point I want to bring out from this actually is though, you know, I really feel like what, as we're going to go through this, we're going to find that Saul wouldn't have grown or Saul wouldn't have made it through a lot of the things that these bends in the road, as we're calling them, um, without the help of other believers, without the help of the church. Okay, so uh, and that's why I wanted to bring up, you know, the nowadays there's a kind of church or kind of there's a group 
there are people, I suppose you could say, that uh, a kind of Christianity going around nowadays that doesn't believe that the church, the church is actually important, okay? So they think that watching, preaching online, we're, we're online, it's not that we're against putting stuff up online, um, but they think that watching online preaching, connecting with other believers simply through social media means that they're walking as a Christian, and it's just simply not true, okay? Those are other things that we can do, but there are basic things like we were talking about before, we looked at the first thing that Saul did was to go to church, okay, physically. Um, so, of course, you know, connecting and communicating and those kind of things are of great value. And that's why the Internet has taken off so much, because it connects people together. But it kind of connects people, okay? We can talk and we can text. And I found out your text this morning, um, you know, Louise's news and that kind of thing. But it's not a replacement for that, okay? Because some people are replacing face-to-face -face evangelism with nice Christian pictures on their Facebook page and things of like that, or they're arguing um, doctrine in the comments section. But you know, um, as James says here, brethren, these things ought not so to be, okay? And I, just to remind you guys, remember when we were in the lockdown and we couldn't even go see our family members and we were, I know I was irate about that and um, we were just longing and pining to just to be able to see people, look someone in the eye, <laughs> shake people's hands, okay? And um, we just want to see people and, and not be like, you know, 10 meters away from them while you're trying to talk to them. And, um, you know, so how much more for the church should Christians be together? We need to be together. Okay. And that's, you know, Jesus did die for the church. The church, it's a local group, not just a universal, you know, oh, we're all Christians and there's Christians there and, you know, some other country. But we need to be together. And this is what, you know, we find from, from Saul that um, he, he needed the group of people that were around him there in Damascus. So, um, you know, he, he needed, let's, oh, I'll, I'll reverse back. I mean, we saw Ananias coming in to confirm God's will and calling for Saul. And he needed that. He needed Saul to come in, or Ananias come into Saul and um, confirm that this was, you know, of God. And then if we continue here, it says here, you know, um, so I just said the Jews want to kill him, but they're laying in wait, a wait verse 24, was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So how is Saul going to get out? So it says, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. So he wasn't going to lower the basket down himself. <laughs> All right. And um, he did that, they did that at night. And it, we're just going to see that over and over again as we go through some more of these points. Okay. So when he leaves there, now he has to leave church. So what is he going to do? He travels all the way to Jerusalem. We'll keep reading here. When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he said to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So like um, the distance, I tried to Google the distance between Damascus and Jerusalem. Uh, depends on which way you go, but it's definitely longer than walking from Cork to Dublin. <laughs> okay, so this guy, he's walked, I don't know, you know, if you say 20 or 25 miles a day, it's going to take him a week of walking all day long to get to this church. And when he gets there, they're like, oh my goodness, get out of here. You know, you know, you could imagine him walking in and everybody screaming and running out the other door kind of thing, you know, <laughs> they just think that he's going to be there and he's going to hurt them all. So that must that must have hurt. And we've just talked about the fact that he it's good for him to be amongst believers and to be is he just going to be on his own now? They don't want me around, you know. Um, but what happens is uh, another disciple named Barnabas, we've heard about him from a couple of chapters ago. Uh, his name means the son of consolation. And it's possible you know, when you read about it, that um, Barnabas is a Levite, so he might have, as a kid, also been in the same class 
um, as Paul uh, studying under Gamaliel, you know, they think in Jerusalem. Um, he may have known him from previous, but either way, we, we know from Barnabas's personality is he, he gives the benefit of doubt. <laughs> and uh, we read here, what, what does Barnabas do? But Barnabas took him in verse 27 and brought him uh, to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and, how, and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. So basically Barnabas fixes the situation um, and allows, allows them, you know, them to put away their, I don't know what you want to call it, prejudices or things like that, that they finally believe that um, Saul is actually really saved. So it was, was, he wouldn't have been able to do that without Barnabas, and that was a great help, okay? And then if we just keep reading again, um, he's, it says, so he's here in his church, and he's, it says here in verse 29, he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. <laughs> so now I don't think he's been at church very long, you know, and just had kind of a, a bit of reprieve there. The church didn't want to see him. Now they're okay with him, and he's with them. And now, now someone else wants to kill him. So the Greeks, uh, the Greek Jews or whatever, um, they're so enraged, they decide that he needs to die. <laughs> and again, you have the brethren helping again. Okay. So what did they do? It says, which when the brethren knew, so that they found out, maybe Saul didn't find out himself. They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Okay. So it's kind of good and bad there. Saul, uh, the brethren find out and they help Saul escape again, different church, not the Damascus, Jerusalem one, but, but in the end he has to go home, you know, he's called Saul of Tarsus, so he has to go back to Tarsus, and I don't know what's happening there church-wise, but um, so it must have been discouraging and perhaps left him wondering what the Lord was doing, so I kind of already talked to you about that, you know, a lot of times when you have your Christian walk, we don't really, we get in a situation, we really don't know what the Lord is up to and what he's doing, and it can be pretty hard, okay? Um, it could be discouraging, but um, we need to remember again, like I was saying here, it's just a bend in the road because Saul later says in Romans, he says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, so remember that we have a hope that can never fade away. Okay. And uh, you know, if you've heard the preacher say, you know, if you're a Christian in this life, this is as bad as it's going to get. It only gets better. Okay. Um, but if you're unsaved, as the preachers continue, this is as good as it gets, okay? So just to conclude, I think I'm already um, through some of my stuff. So I'll end up back home. Uh, aye, aye, aye. It's PowerPoint. I need to fix this. It's not the end. Oh, yes, it's not the end. So, you know, um, I don't know, like, the story doesn't end there with Saul just having to go home, and that was the end of Saul, okay? But we know a lot more, and in Acts 11, um, Barnabas is after getting sent from Jerusalem out to this place called Antioch, and um, there's a great work of God going on there. And when he finds out, um, it says here, um, where am I, 11, 25, then departed Barnabas for to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Okay, so um, it's not the end for Saul. 
he comes, he ends up getting back to a church that accepts him and people don't want to kill him there. <laughs> and eventually he actually gets called from Antioch to be a missionary. And he goes out and does all the stuff that we know as in, I mean, we know him as the Apostle Paul at that point, okay? So don't worry about the bends in the road, you know. I mean, yes, I know it's hard while you're in them and it's easy for someone else to say. <laughs> but, um, you know, coming from the Lord, you know, he, he says he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he, he knows and he wants to give you an expected end, it says in Jeremiah, okay? And, you know, Pastor showed us that verse last week, uh, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So just to conclude some of the truths here we learned, as a new Christian, Saul took baby steps. Those small changes were very important. Um, so just keep, keep those small things in check as long, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a spiritual checkup that you're doing the little things that the Lord would have you to do. And um, that's the foundation that everything else is built upon. What do I have here? I have Luke 19, 17. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yes. It's just about staying faithful at those things. Because in Luke 19, 17, it says it's the Lord talking to a servant. And it says, he says, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over 10 cities. Okay. So it's those small things that'll get you the promotion at work, right? <laughs> and, and spiritually, uh, that same principle works where keep the small things in check and the rest should look after itself. So we all like think when things go well, but when they don't, God hasn't left us. I just said that first already. So God promises and we can trust in his promises. So if you find yourself in a place where you're blaming God and things like that, you need to have that conversation with him and kind of get all that stuff settled and know that um, the Lord has your very best in mind, no matter what it is. Okay. And every question needs to be part of a group of believers. Saul wouldn't have made it without them. So we'll just finish in Philippians 1. So it's a couple of verses just before that being confident of this very thing verse. <laughs> um, I need to be part of a group of believers. So um, this is Saul or Paul speaking again. Philippians 1 verses 3 to 5. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So he's basically just saying there, um, he's very thankful for the, all the help and all the friendship and all the, the benefit and the blessing that he's received of just being part of a group of believers. And he knows that he wouldn't have made it without them. So I think that's it. So we're just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, just for your word. Thank you for the... Just a simple truths, Lord, of simple things that we need to just uh, make sure that we're doing, Lord. It's easy to put them aside because they're only little small things, Lord. But they do add up to something very big, Lord. And just our whole relationship with you, Lord, is built upon us relating to you, Lord, and us being in a church, Lord, where we can hear your word, where we can um, just rub against one another and have our rough edges smoothened and softened out, Lord. And we can have our, our doctrine straightened up or challenged, Lord. And um, we can develop some wonderful relationships and friendships, Lord, that will go on into eternity, Lord. So I just thank you, Lord, for the wonderful truths this morning about Saul beginning his Christian walk. And we thank you for the good advice that we find from your word, Lord. And we pray that you just bless it um, to every, every believer here, Lord. And we pray also there's anybody who doesn't know for sure that they're saved, Lord, or knows that they're not saved for sure, Lord. We pray that maybe today will be the time, where, Lord, where they will... Just be humble, Lord, to, to say, I really do need Jesus. I need him in my life. I need him to do something 
in my life, Lord, and I need uh, my sins forgiven, Lord. So I pray that maybe that would happen this morning too, Lord. We love you. I pray that you bless us, Lord, as we go away now. And um, we just thank you, Lord, for all your goodness towards us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.